Hey, what's going on, everybody? So again, uh, today we get to have Kim Zebra on the podcast for the second part, the the second half of the conversation that we had. Um, that's kind of a follow up from our last episode, where Kim and I really talk about her book, Restless Heart. And today is a Q&A that is still similar, you know, on similar topics, but really goes into some of those harder questions. Uh, Kim's done some great stuff with Ascension and videos with uh, Jackie Angel on difficult topics like can I attend a same-sex wedding and how to, you know, call out or challenge your friends who are struggling with same-sex attraction or any sexual sin, really. I think it's really important for us not to limit ourselves to thinking same-sex attraction is in a league of its own when it comes to sexual sin. You know, I think that we, um, many of us, if not all of us, struggle with sexual sin at one point in our lives in all the different formats that it comes in. And so uh, I think it's really important for us to take the wisdom that she offers us today and apply it to our lives in whatever way that it fits, um, because I think it affects us all more than we think. Um, but it's easy to compartmentalize and see everybody else as the other. But Kim does a great job of making it relatable to all people in different places and different struggles. And so check out today's uh, Q&A with her. I hope you love it as much as I enjoyed recording it with her. And so just huge thanks again to Kim uh, for her openness, courage, and willingness to, to share and talk with me. Hope you enjoy. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Thank you so much. So that's great. So I kind of want to transition now into asking you uh, more just questions that were sparked like within me as I read the book, you know, that I think is really good. Um, and so kind of going along with where we just kind of left off is how do you, I, I kind of, I've always kind of challenged people that haven't been willing to put off uh, or haven't been willing to stop putting off living their life, haven't been willing to stop putting off giving God a chance, like truly giving the Lord a chance, mm -hmm. truly giving the faith and, you know, the Catholic lifestyle, the Christian lifestyle a chance. And, and I challenge people to say, typically, you know, give it 30 days. I'm mm -hmm. like, go to confession. You have to do all of these things for 30 days. Like you have to go yeah. to confession, strive to live, challenge. yeah, strive to live as, you know, as sin free as possible to be holy and virtuous. Mm -hmm. You need to pray every day. You need to uh, read a spiritual book, go to mass every Sunday in that time. Mm -hmm. And if your life has not improved in that time, I'm like, yeah. I, I believe if, if you're not better, if you don't feel better, if you're not living more fully, if your relationship with God hasn't grown, then 
then then at least you can say at the end of your life, you can be like, I, I looked and I gave it an actual shot, yeah. you know, because yeah. sometimes people will try it for an hour or for yeah. a day or something <laughs> like that, you know, but how do you challenge people when, when somebody comes to you and they're struggling with that? Like, how do you convey or convince them or challenge them, you know, yeah. to like, just give it a shot. Cause that's all you want, right? When you've tasted it, when you've experienced yeah, it, you're like, you want everybody to, yeah, just give it a chance, you know? Yeah. Like, how do you get, um, I'm, I'm big on going back to the scriptures and I didn't see, you know, I see today when I go into Barnes and Noble and online, you know, 20 day challenge, 30 day challenge, but I go back to the scriptures. It's right. always 40. <laughs> so I don't want to be 10, di- 10 days shy of, uh, of, that's of a good 40. point. I think you just <laughs> changed so my challenge. 40. Yeah. So because think about it, right? You got Jesus 40 days in the desert. You got 40, 40 years, 40, 40, 40, 40 is always a challenge. It's always tied to challenge. Every number scripturally um, has a meaning and God is a God of the meticulous and the God of the vast and right. And so numbers are important. So I go to 40. Um, I did a, a, did a, the Lord, I didn't, um, I penned what I felt the Lord asked me to do. Um, I didn't do it perfectly because I'm human. Um, but I did a 40 day challenge of dating Jesus. Uh, this was 40 days that somebody, and you don't want to finish, don't finish, but here's 40 days and take it out. Um, and so it was literally called 40 days of dating Jesus, men and women, women from all over the world did it. Um, and I cannot believe what the Lord did. It is incredible. People found themselves out of darkness and into light. Um, but wow. see the 40 days is only to begin to experience. See, Jesus calls us to a relationship. He calls us actually to a marriage. And so this is, I, and the words were dating, dating Jesus. You are dating. Do you want to take it further? You're dating them. You're getting to know them. Do you want to go into this engagement? Do you want to go into a life of marriage? Right. And so um, I'm big on, on 40, man. <laughs> 40 is a good, that's a good way to do it. I like that. I dig that. That's really awesome. Uh, I think that's so great. And so how do you, how do you try to explain, like, what do you describe as like the freedom that you felt since releasing control of living your life for God? Like, how do you try to Cause it's so hard to, I think, to put that into words, but how, if somebody asked you that, you know, like, what's it been like on the other yeah. side of the struggle or not on the other side of the struggle, but since really making that huge transition of living for you to living for God. I'm not afraid of death. Um, I have this joy when I wake up, even when I struggle, there's this resounding joy below the struggle, below the struggle, the current, the undercurrent of my life um, is a joy. It says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Um, and I'm not saying I'm always rock, walking around with a smile on my face, but it is the undercurrent um, that, that lies beneath whatever struggle I'm dealing with. And I didn't know it was possible. I didn't know that in the midst of a storm, I could actually like still see light. Um, and so I have just realized that God didn't call me to be strong. He called me to admit that I'm weak and let him be my strength. And that took a huge weight off my shoulders. It takes it off today. It took it off then. And I pray to God, it takes it off as many days as he gives me on this earth, because I thought I had to do this in my own strength. And so really it's um, a lesson in humility that I, I pray I'm still learning. Um, and, and for me, it, it took the burden off my shoulders Um, and now I get to walk with the Lord and I take accountability still for my actions, for those that are good and those that are not good actions. Um, but I don't carry the weight that I used to carry that weighed me down. Um, Mm. and there's a resounding joy, uh, even in the midst of struggles, uh, the Lord is gracious to show me the beauty, uh, in the midst. That is awesome. And I think along with that, uh, you know, lack of fear of death. That's, I mean, that's, that's such a baller answer. I think that's so real. And I think that it's such, I never said that before. 
Really? <laughs> that's great. No, I, I've had it in my heart, but I've never verbalized it. So right. And I think that's so big. And it's something that I've I've and I love the reason why I love to hear that so much is because it's something that I share a lot. Uh, and I talk with with people a lot, and I'm always really kind of surprised at the. And I think coronavirus really shared that for a lot of people, right? Like mm-hmm. something that yeah. I've heard uh, different different people, like podcasters and stuff, share about that was so powerful about 2020 was you were seeing so many people come to face to face with their mortality mm-hmm. at once, right? And like that's yeah. a powerful experience for anybody that has a near death experience. You're like, holy yeah. shit! Like I might actually die someday. <laughs> You know, like yeah. I knew that that was like possible, but like but I it got much realized, more real. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that, they talk about how like that's happening on a nationwide, a worldwide scale with coronavirus. Absolutely, I've had more people reach out during coronavirus because I think they're realizing, oh my gosh, I think I have forever, and I'm starting to realize I don't. Right. <laughs> and praise God for that. God didn't create the coronavirus, but He allowed it, and He knows that it will wake people up. Right. Yep. He says, "Wake up, oh sleeper, wake up." Right. Exactly. And, and we, we, and, and what, so when I just want to clarify though, Nathan, when I say I'm not afraid to die, I'm not walking around with the weight and the heaviness that I used to. Um, I still, I, every morning in adoration, I was crying on my face, Lord cleanse my heart, purify me. So I'm not like, Oh, I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm all good. I'm not afraid of death. I don't right. mean it in that way. I mean, it, cause Paul is very clear. We worked out our sanctification with fear and trembling. Right. And so mm-hmm. this is a day to day thing, but I no longer carry the heaviness that I'm supposed to do this alone and that and, and seeing the face of God and his heart rather um, for me is really something I can only celebrate. And, and it's like I can celebrate it here on earth and I can celebrate it. I pray to God for eternity. And so in that, I think coronavirus and, and pandemic and all the different things and and you know, economy um, is, is making people wake up. And I'm thankful for that. I'm not thankful for, for people hurting. I'm not thankful for people getting sick, but I no. am thankful that people are starting to wake up who maybe wouldn't have, who have said, I don't think I would have been watching your dumb video <laughs> or listen to the, that podcast had I not been a little bit afraid that, oh my gosh, I think my life's right. out of order. Right. Yeah. And I don't think I have much time. And so praise God for that, you know, and now it's a prayer that we walk it out, even if pandemic lifts and everything, you know, looks differently. I pray that we seek the Lord just as fervently, if not more. Right. And and what you're sharing there, I think, is is essentially like fear of the Lord is a gift of the Holy yeah. Spirit. Yep. But I think that that's the only fear that comes yes. from the Holy Spirit. Yes. Exactly. And that's where, that's where I'm always so surprised with so many, so many Catholics, especially of it, just like this fear and anxiety that exists so deep in their lives. And it's like, that can't, like, that doesn't come from the, we have to stop embracing the that. Lord. Right. Yeah. You have to stop feeding into that. You have to stop wow. promoting that in your life because that's exactly how I felt. And I, I had to make that, you know, before deploying t- today's actually ironically uh, three day, three years to the day that I got back from Afghanistan. Oh, and wow. I remember like pre-deployment is one of those times as a believer, right? Where you're like, mm-hmm. I want to be kind of ready in case something happens over here yeah. because this is the realest it's ever been, right? Like this is the closest I'll probably mm-hmm. come or have come in my life to like potentially dying. Yeah. And I think that like after that, even kind of before that, but I, I remember being like 15, 17, like growing in my faith and just like being okay with talking about the idea of me dying, mm-hmm. you know, and like how weird that was to so many other people. And I'm just like, why is it that more? like why aren't we more okay with that yeah you know yeah Yeah. because it's like this is not it's not the end like there there should be a a noticeable if there should be a noticeable difference in the way that we live but there should definitely be a noticeable difference in the way that we die as believers right like the way that we view death and the way we feel about it especially our own 
if we're continuing to work it out, right? <laughs> like if we're striving yeah. for holiness. Or if we're afraid of death, then what is the joy of eternity? If I'm so, I should right. be joyfully ready, right? But but Paul, what did he say, Nathan? He wrestled. He, he enjoyed experiencing the Lord on earth and everybody would know him. I hear people, they're like, oh yeah, it's, it's so awesome. I just, I want the Lord to come back now. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about other souls? What about souls who don't right. know him and don't know of his goodness? Let's not be so ready for eternity to happen when there are souls who are perishing because they don't know the goodness of the Lord and they haven't given their life to him. Right. And so in that, we should, we should be just as joyful for heaven, but I want to be joyful for others to be in heaven, you know? And exactly, so if we don't yeah. see death as life abundant in eternity with God, then I think we need to probably dive back into the scriptures and see what this is all about. Because if it's about this life, then my 15 year old niece who was taken home early, I celebrate, I don't celebrate how it happened, but I celebrate that she is with the Lord for eternity. Right. And that is to be celebrated. Yeah. What did St. Paul also say about that, that he wished he could go now, you know, (laughs) but it's better for me to stay here for everybody else, you know, there should be that almost desire, not desire to die. Right. But like a, like you said, a joyful encounter with death, knowing that it's not the end, but just a transition, right? Like we're moving and it's moving to, uh, you know, for for most of us purgatory, right. But then eventually uh, to the, to the fullness of heaven, which is yeah, incredible. But going along with that fear, I think this was, my, my favorite thing and what I told people when people asked me about the book or just like talking about it is that I legitimately think it might be the most vulnerable, especially Catholic book I've ever read. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to, I want to talk about that with you. Like, how did you build the courage to do that? And what do you say to people who criticize that? Because that's something that mm-hmm. I've faced in my own life. And I don't think I've ever been nearly that vulnerable before, but even in the times that I have been vulnerable with sharing, you know, losing my virginity at a young age or talking about my struggles with sexual sins or with smoking weed. Like I've, I've encountered so many people throughout the years who have said, well, you don't want, especially when sharing with youth or young people, you don't want to share too much because then you're scandalizing or then you're making it seem like it's okay. Or, you know, and there's obviously a yeah. lot of ways to share that don't do that, but there's this yeah, constant fear, sure. I think within ministry to like almost want to seem, you know, image based, even just, you know, like something that frustrates me with a lot of Catholics sometimes is, you know, people who I've experienced are different Catholic speakers or writers and stuff like that, who will, you know, curse or something in their everyday life, but like, are so different, I'll but kind of off, off yeah. camera. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So different. Off, and it's like, well, if, if I, like my thing, when people, if people ask me that, like, why do you curse sometimes in pocket? Well, I curse in real life, you know? So right. it's like, either I shouldn't do it or I should, but you know, it doesn't mean I, I have to do it if I'm at, in front of a youth group, you know, or right. like if I'm in a church, it doesn't mean I have to do that. you know, like there could right. be times to not, but but if I, that's because I don't curse in churches by myself, you know, like that's because right, I don't right. curse in front of other people's kids in general. But if I'm, right. if I'm talking to adults, like this is what I do. So why be different? You know, and this is the truth right. of your story. But anyways, I just said a yeah. lot back to the question. Yeah. About yeah. Being um, well, it, it was not easy. Um, you no, know, I, to, I believe just, it. to even live it was not easy then to relive it and write it for the world to do whatever the heck they wanted with it. Right. But I think really the, the root of that, Nathan, is the fact that I'm not defined by what you think of me, what my family thinks of me, what anybody in the world thinks of me. I'm defined by the one who created me and the one I live my life for. And that is the Lord Jesus, right? All for the glory of God, the father. And so to me, um, it's really, um, it was, it's a, it was a step and I have many more to take in dying to self, right? People can see and, and they can think whatever they want. Um, people say that's too vulnerable. Look, I didn't, I pray that that book does not glorify the sin that I was living in. I pray that 
the Lord Jesus is glorified and you can see the darkness I was walking in. See, you don't know how bright something is until you see how dark something is. And I felt like me just talking about how good Jesus is without showing the darkness that I was walking with will not reveal the splendor of his glory, right? If we didn't know Paul's transformation, that he killed Christians, that he was persecuting the church and then had a radical thing, we wouldn't see the light of Christ in the way we do, seeing how he was taken from such darkness and invited into such light. And so if people want to crit criticize that, they have every right to, and go ahead. Um, where I'm thankful is that to a great degree, I'm not saying I'm not affected at all, because that would probably mean I'm not human, and I am, um, but I'm, I pray to God he doesn't let other people's opinions of me define me. Um, right. I have to be real with him and him alone, because when I'm face-to-face -face with him reviewing my life, it's only him and I. It's only him and I, and I won't have someone to stand behind and be like, but she did this really good, or, or someone else yelling, hey, don't forget this. He's God. He knows all things. He's so, already hit. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm accountable to him and him alone. My father who created me, who loves me and who desires eternity with me. Um, and so for that, it really takes the weight of what others think. I, I still struggle with it. I try not on, you know, different videos and whatnot. I, I don't read comments. If someone wants to, to say something and they have, a, they have an issue, I want to hear from them, but they'll write me directly. I'm not hard to find. I've had people write me letters to my house. I've had people, you know, email me, message me on social media, and, and I'll always respond. Um, it might not be that same day because there's a lot. Um, but for me, look, I, I'm about, the Lord spoke very clearly to me, um, and I'm so thankful. I believe he, he really did want me to hear this loud and clear. And he said, the praises aren't yours and the punches aren't yours. Right. The praises aren't yours and the punches aren't yours. Anything good uh, is the glory of God. Anything bad, he doesn't want me to take on as my own. Yes, I own it. I, I want to own and, and say, yes, I did this. But they don't stay with me. The things I've done don't. And so if people think that I'm glorifying sin, then, then really we're missing the whole point of everything uh, of why the book was written. It was not easy to do. Um, to this day, I'm like, oh man, it's still really out there. Like, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but I will say, even if I got, which I haven't, but, and who knows what is to come, but if I got a million people that said how much they hate me and hate the book and hate all this, um, this book wasn't written for me. Um, clearly I pray I'm not glorified in it. If anything, people could see how horrible, um, and wretched I was and still struggle with, right. Um, I pray that God is glorified, but if, a million hated me and one wrote and said, I have encountered Christ. I want to serve this God and this Lord Jesus that you are talking about, then it is all worth it. And we must remember the scriptures. The, the scriptures must always be in our minds. If we're going to meditate on Christ, we meditate on his word, right? In his presence. And so in that, he says, um, don't know the exact address of it, but he says, you will be persecuted. You will be hated. Just remember, I was hated and persecuted first, right? And so- right. I, I know my name's on it. I know my silly little grill is on it too, you know, but, but I didn't, I only wanted, and the only reason I'm sitting on the cover of that silly book is because I knew I needed to relate to someone and sometimes to relate, you know, us as human beings and in America, we got to see someone to be able to relate. And uh, Sophia Institute uh, said, Kim, just put your face on there um, because people will relate. And they need to see you. And, and I, I struggle with that a lot because I'm like, I don't want this to be about me. And I'm putting myself right darn in the middle of it. Um, right. but, but I do understand to where I was. I, even the book, a book I read that I wrote about in the book, I saw the girl's face. At first, I was against reading the book. Um, 
And then when I saw the book and her face, I was like, okay, I can kind of relate to her. I'll read and see what she has to say. And unfortunately, I, I disagree with everything. Well, not everything, but I disagree with what she said in the book. Um, but at least it was this, this relating. And so um, I'm only a vessel. I'm only a, like what Mother Teresa said, we are, we are simply the pen in the hand of God. And so I pray that this book, that people can see right past Kim Zember, that, that, that does nothing for you. Just see the sin, see what I was walking in. If you relate, amen, and see the one that I continue to turn to. And that is that he is the answer to everything. Finished, done, end of story. Amen. Yeah, it's incredible to me. I think, you know, so this was something I was thinking about as you were, you were saying that, how easy it can be to cover up our cowardice and make it seem like a virtue or a good thing to do. Mm. Because I think a lot of people would hide from sharing and they, they, they justify it by saying, oh, it's scandalous or it's glorifying sin or it's this or it's that. But really, they're just afraid of, yeah. of dealing with that. Or know, maybe they the haven't yet fully given it to the Lord. See, I'm not defined by those things in my past. I'm right. not. And that's why exactly. I can prove somebody, somebody asked me once, I think this is important to mention. She said, she told me about her life as a dear friend of mine. And she said, you know, she used to be involved in um, prostitution and, and a lot of different things. And um, she said, I said, have you asked the Lord for forgiveness? There's an old life of hers. She's like, yeah. And I said, amen. And do you know you're forgiven? And she's like, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, amen. I said, you've forgiven yourself? Yes. And then I just was quiet. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? I said, nothing. And then a little more silence. And she said, wait a minute. How do you know you're forgiven? How do I know I'm forgiven? How do I know I've even forgiven myself? And I said, I don't know for sure, but I know for me when I can talk about it and, and really talk about it without that shame and guilt, that doesn't mean there's not still a heaviness that sits in the sense of like sin hurts. <laughs> Whether yeah, it was don't feel good about it. it. Yeah. yeah, but but it's not this heaviness and this shame around it. I mean, I, I wrote about those things because I know that is not who I am today. That is not right. who I am. And so for that, I, I am thankful that the Lord continues to remind me of that. Um, and no matter how many times I fall, I, the Lord calls me by my name, not by my sin. And he calls me out of sin and death and into his life. And so Jesus did not come high five and sinners in their sin. He embraced them and drew them out and invited them out of their sin. So I'm not glorifying sin. I'm not saying, oh, God doesn't call me by the things I'm doing, so I'm good. No, I'm saying he doesn't choose to continue to call me by the things that I've done, but rather by who I am in him. And so I think that a release from, which can only come from Jesus, a release from shame and guilt um, after forgiveness has been given uh, is why the Lord in his grace and mercy has allowed me to write. Right. You sharing it is the evidence of your freedom from the Catholic, the Catholic guilt, quote unquote, Catholic oh, guilt, yeah. you know, because you have <laughs> been in many ways healed uh, from it. But I think that's so, yeah, it's so important. And I think the other thing that, that was critical in what you said is the million to one ratio, you know, and that's what I always think about is how do you overcome the pain? How do you develop the courage to, to do that, to, to be vulnerable and, and share your story like that? I think it's the same way that you become courageous in, in any type of war, right? We always talk about we're in spiritual warfare. Like, yeah. how do you become, how, what makes, what makes a soldier courageous? We all know that like you're fighting for your, the man or the woman to your right and to your left, right? Mm -hmm. That's who we're fighting for. And if we're fighting for that in the spiritual life in a similar way, then you will be courageous when you come to these, these times where Absolutely. you can choose courage or cowardice, when you can choose fear, or, you know, strength, uh, you know, through the grace of God, your desire yeah, your desire to want to impact and help other people supersedes 
how you feel about it supersedes your fear of negative comments, supersedes your fear of judgment from other people. If that still exists, you know, I was going to say, and, and I won't lie. It's, it's there. I just choose right. not to feed that. Right. Exactly. I want to choose my faith in Christ over my fear in whatever. Right. Yep. That that's just human to be like, oh, what are people going to think now? But I choose, right. My choices matter. My, I choose whether or not I'm going to meditate on what people are going to think about me or what mm -hmm. God has already said and what he's continuing to do in my life. Right. We have a choice right. where we put our eyes, our thoughts, everything. And so, so in that, you know, and even with that, you know, I had choice. Yes. I had desires. I still had choice. Never take away from a human being their choice. So okay. I might have not chose same sex desires or same sex attraction, but don't take away that I had a choice whether or not to act on it. Right. You know, Absolutely. so it goes to, to whatever we want to apply that to choice um, is the gift from God. Really, it's that free will. Yeah, it's huge, but it's beautiful. And yeah, just thank you so much for your courage and the vulnerability that you had in, in doing that. Because I thought it was really, really baller. So <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for good. doing that. And then, okay. So just one more question that I think kind of wraps into a few things. So this is kind of a two-parter as well is what, what, what message or encouragement, well, before I do that, one thing I think was important in your book towards the end there, and then you're really uh, detaching yourself from sin and wanting to turn away from it is uh, we have heroes in our lives who many in the world would paint as villains. And those are the people who call us higher, the people mm -hmm. who call us to reject sin, that call us to really renounce the way that we're living sometimes and, and call us to be better. And you obviously, your, your brothers play a huge role in your story in doing that for you. Um, mm -hmm. But what, what message for people like that, that are struggling with somebody who's, and it might not even be same-sex attraction, but just struggling living in any type of sin, whether it might be drugs, yeah. uh, living with their girlfriend, you know, whatever it might be, they're living in sin in some type of way. How do you encourage parents, friends, siblings to share uh, the way that that's affecting them and the way that, you know, how do you, how do you encourage them to call them higher? And to I live? think to look back at, at how, how Christ does, right? And that is he loves souls. He loves souls. My mom had a, a much more extended version of this, but I've chopped it down and made it a little cooler that my family loved my soul, not my smile, right? Because we can walk around smiling and I can be happy after I had sex or did whatever or act like it. But really when we're after um, the heart of God, we should be after souls and knowing that souls are in right, um, that, that we're right with God, right? And so to be apart from God is to be in sin, right? Um, and to be out of his ways. And so I think really just reflecting on, do I care more that this person likes me or that, that their soul, like if they were to die today, right? That they're living in the fullness that God has for them. And so when we start caring for souls instead of smiles, and, and to me personally, when our soul is right with God, the smile comes naturally, um, yeah, you know? Right. And so in and that- it's genuine. I, I, yeah. And I think my family did not do a perfect job of that, but they've done a great job. Just what I would suggest is, you know, very quickly, we can be, try to, we can try to become God for someone. And that can be scary too. Mm -hmm. you know, put these, these restrictions on them now to guide someone to lead them. But the, the reality is they, they've got to make these choices for themselves. They've got right. to make them for themselves. You know, we never want to take the place of God, right. Where it's like, they're more afraid of what we're going to say versus what God says right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to wake up and be like, oh, crap, what's my brother going to say about this? I want to wake up and be like, okay, Lord, what do you think about my life right now? You know, um, because he needs to be our reflection. But a lot of times people help us to be that, right? And help us to look at that. And so I think as brothers and sisters in Christ, which means everybody's our brother and sister, um, that we have to stick to the truth and the love of Christ, 
We don't go around just high-fiving. Like I said before, you can love someone. You don't have to love what they do. And the things that you don't love that they do should be, you should not love it because God doesn't love it and celebrate it, right? God does not celebrate sin. Jesus died upon Calvary Hill to free us from sin, not to celebrate us staying in sin. And so we don't want to minimize the truth of the gospel um, and that we should, if, if we're ever going, if we're going to talk about someone um, to them directly um, and have this real conversation, we have a relationship with them, um, but we're not going at it in compassion and gentleness and kindness, then we're missing it. We're missing it. We're missing the fullness of it. You might've got the truth part, right? And amen. But if you don't get the compassion and the gentleness, right? then that's a place we need the Lord to come in. And we've got to remember, we need the Holy Spirit to speak in us and through us, right? We need to be filled with the Spirit to now bring the fruits of the Spirit forth. You don't get fruit from something that ain't planted in you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so gentleness, kindness, forgiveness, patience, forbearance, right? All the fruits of the Spirit um, need to be present when we're dealing with one another, which means we need the presence of the Lord in us more, um, which will help us right, in counsel and wisdom and direction and discernment and everything. And so, but we never want to separate truth from love and love from truth when we're, when we're journeying with each other um, right. and to have that compassion. And if you start to realize, whoa, I just don't want him to fall into sin, but I'm not doing this in a very compassionate and loving way, then that's just where we maybe have to pull back, ask the Lord, like pray pray for them more than maybe you talk to them too. <laughs> um, talk, absolutely, that's needed, but pray for them. Know that in our, our intercessions, fast for them, uh, whatever it might be, um, but really be interceding for them. And then speak when the Lord asks you and, and just know that, hey, you may lose a friend, but did is their soul now impacted because of it? Because God's not going to ask him how many soul, how many, how many friends did you have on earth? <laughs> He's going right. to say, how many, how many people's souls yeah. did you point towards me because that's what it's about it's not about my friend list or my followings or how many likes or whatever the heck we start to look at it's are we directing people back to the heart of christ and their souls to christ so right and you you share some experiences some powerful experiences in there where you had the opposite right where you had the love without the truth oh, you know yeah. encouraged in, in, from spiritual leaders and things like that that which doesn't also, help anybody right it might help us feel better but it doesn't help us be better amen Absolutely. And so I think one of the last question, I know you did a great video with uh, Jackie Angel on this as well, is the one of the hardest situations, right? When people face in all those different relationships, when it comes to balancing love and truth, when it comes to same-sex attraction is weddings. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah. what are your thoughts? What are your views on somebody gets invited, whether it's a brother, a son, a daughter, you know, a friend, uh, somebody gets invited to a same-sex wedding, what is kind of your, your approach to that? How do you handle this? That? This answer I've never given. Um, and it's not me dodging. I think from any videos you've seen, I'm not afraid of questions. Nathan, you sent me a whole list of all the questions and I didn't read them. Um, <laughs> yeah. but the rea but the reality is, um, I want you to ask yourself a question, not just you, but whoever might be listening, would Jesus go? And not the Jesus you've made up in your own mind, not the Jesus you want him to be, but the Jesus who is. In the scriptures, does he celebrate sin? He goes into sinful places to transform those places and transform those people, but he does not go to celebrate it. And so I think we need to ask ourselves, would Jesus really go and celebrate? See, because when we go to a wedding, we're going and we're celebrating, right? Their right. union. And just ask, sit with yourself, ask the Lord. 
would you go? Now he, he loves people, but he goes to draw out of sin, not to celebrate it. So I think we need to really sit with the Lord on that and ask him, would he go? And I don't want to go anywhere. He doesn't go. Now I'll go, I'll go into a place, but not to celebrate something, but to draw out, if that makes sense. So now if you're going to go to someone's wedding to stop that wedding, I think you might want to check yourself. <laughs> I think you might want to have a personal conversation instead of stand up in the middle of the wedding and say, this is not right. And I wanted you guys all, you know, to hear this scripture, you know, so you, you catch my drift on this. Absolutely. So yeah. Jesus ate with sinners, but he didn't just eat the meal and then peace out and celebrate, you know, the tax collector sinning and, and stealing and the prostitute prostituting herself he encountered the woman at the well. What did he say? Go and sin no more. Right. So we got it. We don't want to recreate who Christ is really look when he entered into places and, and, he, and he encountered people who were living in sinful ways. Did he celebrate and high five it or did he draw them out and invite them out? And so I think when we really sit with that question, we'll be able to answer it. Absolutely. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you so much, Kim. Well, this has been, I mean, this has been, this has been just stellar. So thank you first again for, uh, for sending me a copy of the book that in and of itself was very impactful for me and for my several friends who have already read my copy of the book. <laughs> and so thank I'll get you, for you some more. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, I'm happy to hand them out. And, and, but also just thank you for taking the time to, to chat with me today, to be on the podcast and, and go back and forth on Instagram and everything. I really, really do appreciate it. It's, it's an honor, Nathan. And, and as I said before we got on, thank you for your yes. Thank you for being willing to, to stand uh, in truth and love and talk about things people maybe don't want to talk about because we need to. We need to. And we need to do it in truth. We need to do it in love. Um, and anything else is, is just a figment of our imagination. And that don't last. Amen.